0: Pelvic Rehab Research Podcast. My name is Becca Bissadolshensky and I'll be your host guiding you as we take a deep dive into all things pelvic floor and research-based. Whether you're a pelvic newbie or a seasoned clinician, I'm here to help busy therapists listen through the Women's Health Study Guide. So if you're studying for the Women's Certified Specialist Exam or just interested in learning more about pelvic health research, we've got you covered. Welcome back to an article by Stooge et al. on the efficacy of a treatment program focusing on specific stabilizing exercises for pelvic girdle pain after pregnancy. As I mentioned before, this is an RCT and it was published in 2004. So this was authored by a few individuals who I'm assuming are Norwegian from both their names as well as that a few are pretty prominent researchers in Oslo, Norway. So I'm gonna try to go through their names. Britt Stooge, who is a PT, PhD now. She was a master's of science during the time of this article. Evan Lurim, PhD. Gitel Kirksola, PT. And Nina Volestad, PhD. So these researchers' objectives included to evaluate a treatment program focusing on whether specific stabilizing exercises for patients with pelvic girdle pain after pregnancy reduces pain, improves functional status, and improves quality of life. We know that pregnancy-related low back pain and pelvic girdle pain are common, and up to about 50% of women experiencing this. We also know that while some of this pain is resolved postpartum with just general healing and time, some also isn't. So these researchers noted that recent research has focused on the importance of activation of muscles for motor control and stability in the lumbopelvic region. What hasn't been studied is the efficacy of applying those same principles for pelvic girdle pain that has not previously been evaluated in a randomized controlled trial. So just to reiterate a little bit more clearly, the aim of the present study was to evaluate whether specific stabilizing exercises in the treatments of patients with pelvic girdle pain after pregnancy reduced the women's pain, improved functional status, and improved health-related quality of life after the treatment period and one year after delivery, better than physical therapy that didn't have that specific stabilizing exercise. So let's jump into the study. For the study population, 95 patients were recruited from health practitioners, so physicians, midwives, nurses, following an advertisement to health professionals. The inclusion criteria included pelvic girdle pain located distal and or lateral to the L5-S1 area in the buttocks and or in the symphysis area, as well as pain onset during pregnancy or within three weeks after delivery, most recent delivery within six to 16 weeks. Also, these patients needed to be willing to participate in either of the two groups with informed consent and fulfillment of the diagnostic criteria based on the following tests. Those tests being the posterior pelvic pain provocation test, the P4 test, active straight leg test, or the ASLR, pain provocation of the long dorsal sacroiliac ligament, pain provocation of the symphysis by palpation, and by modified Trendelenburg test. From these testings, they were looking for results including at least one positive from the ASLR or the P4 test on either the left or the right side, and at least one of the other three test results that I mentioned before had to be positive. Okay, so what didn't they want? Let's talk some exclusion criteria. Exclusion criteria was as followed. Back pain indicating radiculopathy, rheumatology or other serious disease or pathologic condition or any positive results of the straight leg raise test, slump test, cramps test, or femoralis nerve test. So I think it's pretty easy to see here that they're trying to rule out some of those neurologic, structured, irritated folks. Hopefully I'm not the only one who is thinking, what is this cramps test? So I'm just gonna go over that pretty quick. The University of Alabama has it on their athletic and sports medicine website and also gave it another test including the bowstring test, so CRAM or bowstring test. This is a neurological test assessing structures in the popliteal fossa as well as the sciatic nerve. So the examiner is going to perform a passive straight leg raise on the involved side The examiner then passively flexes the leg to about 20 degrees and asks the patient if pain has been reduced. A positive test would include a radicular reproduction of pain following the popliteal compression as that would put tensile force on the sciatic nerve. They note that this could indicate that there is a disc bulging out, putting pressure on the sciatic nerve. So anyways, altogether, 14 participants were excluded and 81 participants were included. For design, this study was a randomized, single-blinded, clinically controlled study with a stratified group design. An independent person unaware of subject characteristics administered pre-coded identical containers to assign the subjects to the intervention groups. The stratification factor was pain localized based in three different pain groups, so pure symphysis pubic pain, pain from all three pelvic joints, or pain from either or both the sacroiliac joint regions. So then these patients with an N of 81 were randomized into blocks of four to maintain a consistent class size. Patients were assigned to either the group with specific stabilizing exercises, or SSEG, or the control group without specific stabilizing exercises, or CG. So obviously with this study, the patients were not blinded to the treatment they received, but emphasis was placed on blinding them from any expectation bias regarding efficacy of different treatments. The patients were informed that research was being performed to compare two currently common physical therapies where the relative efficacy had not yet been established. So these women saw physical therapists over a period of 20 weeks. There was about six different PTs and the two interventions were carried out by different PTs in different clinics. Each visit lasted about 40 to 60 minutes and the participants were not allowed to undertake any other treatments for their pelvic girdle pain during the intervention period. So let's talk about group one, who is the SSEG, or the Specific Stabilizing Exercise Group. An individual program was made for each woman, and attention was paid to body awareness and ergonomic advice in specific real-life situations, so like when lifting and carrying a child. And then when indicated, joint mobs, massage, relaxation, and stretching were also performed. They noted that mobilization was given individually to about 70% of the women for about 20% of their treatment sessions. So almost every time they came in, these women got about, 8 to 15 minutes of mobilization techniques. What I think is important about this is that it was a strategic care plan, but it's still individualized, which I'm not sure we've seen yet. So remember that the main focus in this group was on exercise and training, and the program worked on specific training of the transversely oriented abdominal muscles with coactivation of the lumbar multifidus at the lumbosacral region, as well as training of the glute max, the latissimus dorsi, the oblique abdominal muscles, the erector spinae, quadratus lumborum, hip abductors and adductors. So a lot of different muscle structures. After about four weeks, loading was progressively increased throughout the intervention period. The women were required to exercise for 30 to 60 minutes, three days a week for 18 to 20 weeks. This was guided by a PT and adjustments to the exercise program were performed about once a week or every other week. Another thing that I hadn't heard of was the exercise equipment called the therapy master, which was given to these women to install in their homes and to use while writing down their performance in a diary. So the therapy master is actually a sling or a suspension type of equipment that you can use in conjunction with exercise. Not sure that I'm the best at describing it. If you want to Google image it, you can get the, a better gist of it. So the women were told that these exercises should not provoke pain, and they were encouraged to activate the transverse abdominis regularly during daily activities too. Okay, so on to group two, who are the PT without specific stabilizing exercises. So these patients had different individualized PT methods such as ergonomics, massage, joint mobs, manipulation, electrotherapy, and hot packs. They also had mobilizing and strengthening exercises and encouragement to perform daily activities ergonomically and properly. The women received treatment approximately every second week, individually adapted over the 20-week period. So all women, regardless of group, had some baseline characteristics reviewed, including questions surrounding sociodemographics, history of pelvic and low back pain, duration of current pain, pain intensity during pregnancy and postpartum. Smoking habits, regular physical activity, and incontinence were also assessed, and the Hopkins symptom checklist and health locus of control questionnaire was also used. For outcomes, assessments were taken at the time of entry, within one week after completion of the intervention period, and then again one year after delivery. So the main outcome measures were based on pain and functional status. The VAS was used for pain, as well as the Oswestry Low Back Pain Disability Questionnaire for Function. For physical exam, a handheld dynamometer was used for testing strength of adduction and abduction of the hips. For low back muscle endurance, they use the Sorensen test, which is another test I wasn't familiar with. And this test consists in measuring the amount of time a person can hold the unsupported upper body in a horizontal prone position. So the lower body is gonna be fixed to an exam table and then the rest of the body is gonna be kind of outright, which sounds kind of aggressive to perform to me, but they did a modified version with arms alongside the body. They also performed the ASLR test to measure disease severity in those with pelvic girdle pain. So let's get to the fun stuff, the results. There was no significant differences between the two groups regarding baseline characteristics. The average number of treatments by physical therapists was 11 in both groups. And the participants in the SSEG reported accomplishing on average 80% of their exercise program three times a week. There was no significant differences in any of the outcome measures between the groups on entry and to the trial. But after intervention and at follow-up, there was a statistically significant difference between the two groups in favor of the SSEG. In the SSEG, the highest scores in terms of effect sizes occurred for the Oswestry Disability Questionnaire, Evening Pain, and Self-Reports of Physical Functioning and Body Pain. A big change noted was that 75% of the subjects in the SSEG scored lower than 25 on the Oswestry after treatment, whereas only 25% in the control group scored lower. This large difference was maintained or even larger after one year postpartum. Also, health-related quality of life was significantly higher in the SSEG than in the control group, both after the end of treatment and at the one-year follow-up visit. So now we're gonna head into the discussion component and the main finding of the study was that a treatment program containing specific stabilizing exercises was considerably more effective in reducing pain, improving functional status, and improving health-related quality of life compared to an intervention without it. As important as high quality exercises are, so are the way that the exercises are actually being performed. So in the present study, the stabilizing exercises were thoroughly instructed initially and supervised regularly so this ensured proper performance. The discussion goes into a comparison of prior research and their differences as prior studies on this have not shown efficacy, but they also note that those studies were not engaging the transverse abdominis as readily, watching performance being carried out properly, or had carryover instruction into daily life. So let's jump into take-home points, or in this case, really just one point. Recent research has focused on the importance of activation of muscles for motor control and stability of the pelvis. However, the effects of applying these principles had not been previously evaluated for women with pregnancy-related pelvic girdle pain. This prospective randomized controlled trial examined the effect of physical therapy with specific stabilizing exercises versus PT without specific stabilizing exercises. And after treatment, the specific exercise group showed clinically and statistically significant lower pain intensity, lower disability, higher quality of life, and better improvements on physical tests compared to the control group. And those differences between treatment groups persisted one year postpartum. So it's fair to assume that stabilization exercises are helpful when properly implemented in the appropriate pain categories, as well as when followed with individualized care and progression into daily life. Again, I love how clear they were on individualized care and blending it into day-to-day functional activities. A lot of poor outcomes of research aren't as specific in their care implementation. Not that exercise can fix every pain, but I think a major component of PT is that we aren't treating the same two patients the same and we're watching to confirm proper form and performance. All right, so that's gonna be it for this article, so thanks for joining. Next up, we're onto an article by Vleeming in 2008. If you're looking at the outline, you might see that this is a doozy of an article. I'm just gonna do my best to be brief and thorough at the same time. So I hope to see you all listening there. Bye, pelvic people.